Hello and welcome to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. This week, Tom and I are doing a trip report about Tom's visit to the Magic Kingdom. I know, right? Incredible. Can you believe it? Finally, the Park Rush Podcast is doing a trip report about a major international theme park. It's been too long. It's been far too long. Yeah. Although, sod's law, we are doing one for a park, which we have done a trip report for before. Yes. But... At this point, that was in the very distant past of, I think, 2019, perhaps. Cool, yeah. Which was a different time, a different world. COVID, what COVID? I don't even know what that was at the time. No. Not at all. It was, uh, it's wild how things have changed. Although, as it turns out, Magic Kingdom hasn't changed that much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they were building that new roller coaster, right? I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Sorry. No. New roller coaster. Oh, okay. oh, you mean the mine train? Yeah. Yeah. Finally did that. Oh, well, I guess we'll get into that. We will. Um, yes. So your this is not usually your first park on your trip, is it? No. And to be clear, it was not this time either. Right. But uh, we certainly usually would save a Magic Kingdom type day for last. Okay. Because we'd always anticipate it being a... Probably rope drop to fireworks kind of a day, or yeah. at least very close to that. And you'd almost want to leave that to the end to not only give yourself a nice celebratory day to end on, yeah. but also you kind of have to work up to a day like that. Yeah. Whereas this time, because it was pretty apparent to us that we were going to do a lot of theme parks, and they were probably all going to be quite long days, because as we will get into the nature of the crowds and how these parks manage queues these days yeah. mean that... Nipping in for a few hours doesn't really make much sense anymore. Yeah. You're not going to get much done. So, uh, yes, once we'd kind of figured that out and come to the conclusion that every day was probably going to be a long day, we were like, let's just go Magic Kingdom first. You know, get <laughs> potentially the most mental one out of the way. Yeah. And then it might be smooth sailing from there. Yeah. So that was the logic. We did in, We did actually do SeaWorld was the actual very first. Part, Which is a, a mad. A, a mad okay. choice. I was not in favour. And we'll come to you, SeaWorld. Got bones to pick. Yeah. Damn you, SeaWorld. Yeah. But for now, yeah. Magic Kingdom. But don't worry, everyone. There are... How many trip reports are there going to be? There are going to be like eight, eight, I guess. Yeah. And who knows? There might be potential for like a bonus. Yeah. There's, I mean, Discovery Cove, I hadn't even considered. I'd like to get a trip report on Discovery Disney Cove. Disney Springs, maybe. Who yeah. knows? But yeah, Magic Kingdom for today. Yes. So... I, my family usually hits this by you know in a circular fashion, which I think uh, these days is not the done thing, and it's not what you do, is it, Tom? No. So traditionally, we do mountain, mountain, mountain. Yep. Even in the times since we've been there, since Mine Train opened, which I think was maybe twenty fourteen ish. Okay. I might be slightly off there. We haven't been that many times since the Mine Train opened, but. Regardless of the fact that that is clearly a ride that gets massive queues, we have not wavered from the 25-year tradition at this point, or 24-year yeah. tradition of doing mountain, mountain, mountain. So we go to Splash, we we go to Thunder, and then we would always used to go to Space, but you've got to kind of be a slave to the genie now, Josh. Oh. You thought the genie was the slave. In that movie, he kind of is, but now... 
we are all slaves to the genie. So you have to rub them the right way. And uh, absolutely. And mountain, mountain, mountain doesn't really work anymore. You've kind of got to slight, take a slightly different approach, potentially. Okay. Which I guess we'll get into. But yes, we uh, we did at least still manage to do the splash and thunder as our first two rides. Okay. Uh, yeah. As we always normally would. Uh, but I guess b- before we get into that, I guess we, we will say... This is going to have to be, if you're going to Disney World, uh, perhaps this year, or in a not-too-distant future, and you haven't been for a while, certainly since before the Genie days, you might have to make peace with the fact that it's going to be an even earlier start than you might be used to. Oh, boy. So, uh, this is uh, this was our experience of it. The, you could kind of buy, you could buy Genie Plus yeah. from midnight on the day of your... Uh, visit to the parks. Okay. And I'm speaking here as someone who we had a two-week Disney pass yep. each booked in advance, and we'd reserved our days at the parks, as you have to do, as we talked about, I think, last week. Uh, but, you know, we weren't staying on site or anything like that. So that was our... Uh, that was the circumstances in which we were in. We were a bit ooming and ahhing on Genie Plus. I was like, no, out of principle, absolutely not. Yeah. Everyone else was more of the mind of, it's an expensive holiday anyway. You don't want to make you don't want it to be an expensive holiday where you left things on the table when you could potentially make it a slightly more expensive holiday and get everything done. Absolutely. And I was like, eh. but from what I understand, you might still not get everything done. Yeah. Uh, despite Which is, getting genie. And that mindset is very much what Disney is preying on with. Oh yeah. Price uh, increase. Yes, they are absolutely uh, relying on people going into it with the mindset of the rest of my family. To be fair, my dad said exactly that. And yeah. like, listen, I, you know, I know I'm a sucker. I know I'm doing what they want me to do. And my brain says don't do it. But look, let's just, let's do it uh, at least on this first day and see what we get out of it. Yeah. So we'll, uh, so while the GD Plus goes on sale at midnight for that particular day, you yeah. can't start booking, you can't book your first lightning lane. Okay. Till 7am. But of course... Regardless of the fact that Magic Kingdom, when we were there, didn't open until 9am. Yeah. You, you, you need to get up for seven because you can't lose a few, you can't lose an hour no, of yeah. people booking lightning lanes because then by the time you log on, loads of them will be That's gone. It. Game over. And uh, so we got up in time for 7am. <laughs> it was like bloody hell. Brutal. Brutal yeah. start to the day, I would say. And uh, yeah, I think we ended up booking Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin as our first lightning lane. Because basically the way it works is the most popular rides that people want to get lightning lanes for obviously go very quickly. Yeah. And you end up in a situation where not long after you've logged on, the first available lightning lane for something like Splash Mountain might already be in the afternoon. Mm. And and if you were to book that, you then couldn't book another lightning lane until you had done that ride. Yeah, of course. So you'd enter the park for nine... You'd have your Splash Mountain booked for, let's say, one o'clock, and you would not be able to book your second lightning lane until you, until after that, by which point, who knows what will be left yeah. you're halfway through the day. So our strategy generally for the Disney parks, and that's why we went to Splash and Thunder first, was almost not to use the lightning lanes so much for the, the, the e-ticket rides, the most popular rides. It was almost for that kind of second tier of ride, if you like. Right which can attract big queues, but not quite to the scale of 
the mountains and, and the mine train and stuff like that. Okay. The mine train, though, this is all very confusing, Josh. The mine train is a separate lightning lane. So each Disney park has at least one ride. Some of them have two, which are a separate tier of lightning lane. God damn it. Which, you, which are not included in Genie Plus, And you have to buy those separately. We had one experience of that, which we will get to when we do the Animal Kingdom episode. I'm sure based on that, everyone can guess which ride it was. Uh, but at Magic Kingdom, we, we were purely on yeah. the Genie Plus. There was no additional Lightning Lane outside of that, which, as I say, was for the Mine Train. It was the River Rapids, right? That was the... Uh, yes, it was <laughs> It was the River Rapids. And then a Kite Tales, bizarre. Whoa. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot about Genie. But I feel like you you need to approach your your day and and everything we talk about from here with that yeah, in mind you, you need to totally get, changed how you approach the parks. you need to get that appreciation in there straight out of the gate on when we're talking about this sort of thing yeah because it's a whole thing yeah and yeah. i guess I'll, I'll dip back into the genie and how that all works as we get to the rides that we used it for yes kind of that makes sense the experience of using it once you're in the park yeah because obviously buzz was booked from the comfort of our own home yes Actually, while you say that, obviously, this is the first time you've been out. You personally have been allowed to use your phone as your park ticket, right? Yes, actually, and uh, I would say I, I, there are a few things about the Disney park specifically that I guess are relatively low-level things that are kind of easy to maybe gloss over, yeah. but that I did find genuinely quite impressive. Uh, one of those things, as you say, was kind of the whole experience of your park ticket. Uh, and being able to have that on your phone. So I'm not 100% sure how it works on Android, whether or not there's support to use the ticket outside of the Disney app. You can certainly have the ticket in the Disney app on Android, but on iOS for sure, you can from there put it in your Apple wallet and put it in express mode. So for, you know, people who use TFL, familiar with how that works, you can literally just uh, hold your phone or... Your Apple Watch over any of the Magic Band, Magic Band, Magic Band. That's slash, what, yeah, that's uh, what they call the Metro in Germany. Yes, absolutely. The Magic Band or ticket readers, you can just hold your phone or watch over it without even needing to bring your ticket up on those, mm. and it will know what you're trying to do. It will let you in, whether it's getting into the park or uh, touching into Lightning Lanes. So that will work very seamlessly. Uh, I mean, generally, I was not a fan of quite how much you have to be on your phone like so much stuff i mean fast passes for example always used to be paper tickets yeah uh, and now all that's so much of the disney experience has been offloaded to the app uh, oh, yeah. and and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you can't deny that it is more convenient but there is something about i spent a lot of time because i was the designated app, app user, guy yeah and uh, I spent a lot of time in the Disney parks looking at my phone, being like, right, which lightning lanes do we want now? Where do you want to eat? I'll order the food on here. All that kind of stuff. And uh, I think some people, certainly of a certain generation, might find that a little bit uh, unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Much of that. It's not yeah, necessarily yeah. what you want to be doing no. while in the park. Um, certainly people of, it, of an older generation um, but it's certainly just the way it is now, right? Yeah. No, it became a bit of a running joke that whenever we entered a queue, a lightning lane queue that we'd booked, yeah. before I'd even had a chance to think or kind of go, oh, look, the queue's cool, isn't it? My dad would just like grab me and be like, what are we going on next? 
Tom, book the next ride. Do your job, damn it. I'd have to be like, oh, let me, let me, let me, Sebastian, Dad. Let me, let me, let me absorb all the magic. You sat on Haunted Mansion just like on the app. Yeah, it, it was a little bit like that. Like there was one point because sometimes I realise this is, a, this feels like a slightly unstru- unstructured conversation, but just, well, because sometimes there are two tap points on lightning lanes. So you tap in and then sometimes later on in the queue, yeah. you have to tap again. And, That's um, confusing. And so, yeah, on the ones where you just tap in the once, as soon as you're in the queue, you can book your next lightning lane. But yeah. on the ones where there's another tap point, you can't book your next lightning lane until you've tapped the second time. Oh. And sometimes that's right at the end of the queue. Yeah. So there was at least one occasion, I'm sure, where I was kind of sat in a ride vehicle on my phone before the ride had properly set off, where I had 10 seconds to quickly book the next ride. That's mad. And that's, you know, a bit daft really yeah. uh, but yes generally how do we get onto that all the apple wallet and yeah. tapping stuff that all worked quite well and, and just sort of on that i'll just say uh the express mode i think it's used in new york for the subway system there mm. um and the android side is a mess but google has announced a new wallet that's going to replace all of their various payment platforms right to do the same thing as apple wallet they've just announced that at google io um as we as we're talking uh the week just gone um, and so that'll be coming out with the next version of Android, which should hopefully smooth those issues out and bring that express mode to Android as well. Hopefully. I mean, you will notice, and it's not a surprise, there is just a massive bias towards Apple devices Yeah, anywhere especially, in the Disney world. Especially in, uh, generally in America and in the UK, uh, iOS has the largest market share, mm. um, whereas it's not so much in Europe and in Asia, where Android has the biggest market share. So in the, I guess, Anglo-centric nations, like the US and the UK, um, yeah, there's a lot more focus on iOS app and functionality. Yeah. Everything from, yeah, the Magic Band stuff to even, like, the phone cases that they sell at Disney. Yeah. Just way more range for iPhone than for any Android stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the, the Magic Band stuff worked well, uh, offloading that to the phones. But uh, yeah, I don't know if we just want to work our way around the map at this point in terms of rides or whether any yeah. more sort of I think big questions about how Disney works these days. We hit we hit the park like you hit the park, Tom. Okay. And uh, when questions come up, I'll I'll hit you with them. Okay. Well, I'm glad to say that Splash Mountain is still pretty good. Oh, probably the last time we'll ever ride Splash Mountain. I'd imagine it will be you know if I am to return to Disney World at some point, which I'm sure I will. It will be after you know, the 50th and, and that will be when they 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 close Splash and start turning it into the Princess and the Frog. Yeah. So it was nice to, to do that one last time. And I think actually what turned out to be a running theme of the trip, and I think it, obviously your mileage will vary, but uh, quite a few occasions where rides that we never remembered getting that wet on, mm. we got wetter than we would have remembered. Oh, interesting. So Splash Mountain was one of those, kind of set the tone. We had uh, at least one time on like Jurassic Park, for example, which... I think we have got pretty wet on that before, but it's also a ride you can get off with a mild splash. Yeah. But we got we bore the brunt of the of the tidal wave on Jurassic Park at least once on this trip. So yeah, that that was uh that made Splash Mountain a bit more noteworthy. And then Thunder Mountain as well, still good fun. And uh a longer ride than I remembered as well. Uh, I guess my last experience of Thunder Mountain would actually have been the one in Paris. Because last time I was in Florida, we only did one Disney park, and that was Animal Kingdom. The Superior uh, Big Thunder. 
You think? I think so. Oh. I, I think I, I quite like that it's uh, you go underground and then you end up on an island mm. in the middle of the river. I think is uh, that is very cool. There's no denying that. I I think aesthetically as well, it's uh, yeah, it's neat. But no, I, I still did very much enjoy this version of Thunder Mountain. But those queues were building very much uh, by the time we were off those two rides. Yeah. So uh, Magic Kingdom, I guess I will say, you know, they do that thing where they let you into the park in advance of official rope drop. And then they kind of have different rope drops around the park, uh, at least for people who haven't got early entry, which at the Disney parks is half an hour before the official opening at each park. Yeah, so. which is obviously that's changed from before COVID. Uh, <laughs> magic hours used to be longer than half hour. It used to be an hour or two. Oh, okay. So on this day at Magic Kingdom, it was eight thirty a.m. that you know hotel guests could come in. Right. Yeah. Uh, Universal, it's a whole hour you get if you've got early entry. Although it was only only islands that that was. In place it was never the case at studios while we were there there was no early entry um so our experience of magic kingdom was to get that we, we got in the park there was no uh song and dance on the rail on the railroad no characters and you were there uh, for, for rope drop yeah so i don't know if that was a consequence i don't know if that's a covid thing that they haven't brought back or or if that's just a consequence of the train you know yeah. the rail the railway line there is obviously not running right now because of the construction on tron uh, which has taken a long time. Maybe they do it earlier because of the extra time. I don't know. Uh, potentially, potentially, I don't know. But yeah, we got into the park in advance of nine o'clock and then just got held at the rope drop into the, uh, uh, I guess it's kind of by Liberty Square, right? It's you, you kind of, they hold you at the rope drop where you can go kind of go right into Liberty Square or or left towards Frontierland. Okay, I think yeah. is where they do the. So you cross the bridge, just about, yeah, from the uh, uh, hub. Yes, and, and uh, that's where they hold you basically. Right. Uh, and then we did the centre, and it's it's chaos there, and it's it, the cast members. I think with a nod and a wink, will say stuff like, "Don't run, the rides aren't going anywhere. Everyone walk at my pace," and a cast member will literally, like a couple of them, will literally lead this ravenous group of theme park weirdos towards the 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 mountains splash and thunder wow it's a weird thing it's like do they not trust the guests or do they just know that they need to do this because otherwise someone will whack a child in the face like it's a weird vibe and i can imagine it being very easy to lose sight of your party at a time like that and I think, you know, that was an eye-opening moment of like we'd all kind of gone into the park with a slight sense of trepidation, like, how mental is this going to be? Uh, turns out, pretty mental. Uh, so, yeah, but we got those rides done in fairly short order and we're, over, we're certainly over getting over towards Buzz Lightyear well before 10 a.m. So we got those two rides done in probably 40 minutes or so. That's good going. Which is not too bad. And yeah. the running theme of the trip, uh, at Disney, for sure, was that ride wait time estimates were massively overestimated. So you were, we were hardly ever queuing what Disney said you would have to queue. Right. And it was quite often a lot below that. And that was the case with these two as well. So we got them done fairly quickly. Uh, yeah. That's good. And then, so then you did those two and they're kind of, as you say, as you expect. Yes. And then your Lightning Lane... Genie Plus Lightning Lane for Buzz Lightyear was at ten, was it? Or no, I don't think it was 
quite there. It would have been sort of nine. I want to say it was something like nine twenty to ten twenty. So you have an hour window right. to get in to your chosen attraction. And uh, normally, as I say, we would go straight to Space Mountain. Space Mountain, for some reason, I was wrong about this. So in my mind, this was a premium Lightning Lane attraction with the mine train. I think it was, it was previously. When, it first, when they first brought it in. Yeah. Turns out by the time we were there, it was not. Uh, but we just didn't know that. Right. I think the logic I mentioned earlier of don't necessarily book a Lightning Lane for a premier attraction because it's just going to almost it's going to eat up too much time. I think that logic still would have would have held, uh, but perhaps we would have gone straight to Space Mountain. I, I don't know, but yeah, we went to Buzz and it worked pretty well because Buzz can build decent lines, and we walked straight on that, and that was all good. And and then from there, you know, Buzz's still good, by the way, but remains not my favourite shoot 'em up ride. No, because this has got the 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 guns are connected to the yeah, which is the worst way to have a gun. I think so. Yes, right. you can at least spin the vehicle, which is fun. That's true. But uh, yeah, the guns being mounted is not my favourite. And uh, I really feel like they could just plus that ride up yeah. by just taking the guns and putting them in your hand. Yeah. And there's just not quite as much. Um, I just don't find it visually as impressive or interesting as something like Men in Black, where you've got a better mix of yeah, like cardboard cutouts, essentially, and models and animatronics. Yeah. Whereas on Buzz, it's almost all... You know, cardboard cutout yeah, targets. But, but I guess this ride is better for kids or younger kids. Oh then, yeah, which is what they're kind of aiming for here. Yes, and they get people on and off far quicker than something like Men in Black as well because it's got that kind of Omni Mover yes. setup, which is good. I still had a lot of fun with it, and it was also one of the few Disney rides where the ride photos went off without a hitch. So that's another thing that's been offloaded to the app. Yep. So you come off the ride, if there's a ride photo, you, you, you can see them up on the screens as you normally would. And then there are just loads of Magic Band readers that kind of are directed up towards each screen. And the idea is you tap your Magic Band or your ticket or your watch or your phone or whatever on the corresponding reader. Yep. And then that photo should just appear in the app. Yes, I guess. So that's something that's been there for a little while now before COVID. Right. Um, that's something we we did the last time we went. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the the, the fast passes were on the app as well for, mm. before COVID, but but we found the ride photo thing super variable as to whether or not it would work. Yeah, so we had the photo pass included in our ticket. Uh, by the way, when we were having cast members take photos for us, you know, in front of landmarks and stuff, those all went off just fine. But yeah, the ride photos were just massively unreliable. Sometimes they worked. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes we would go to some rides still had uh, in the gift shop or something. They still had somewhere you could go and buy the photos, I guess, if yeah. you don't have photo pass or whatever. And sometimes we would go up to the cast members there and be like, we're not convinced this is going to work. Can you like manually do something for yeah. us? And, it, and they would do that. And that would work. We wish we'd known that before. Yeah. So Splash Mountain, for example, didn't work for us. We got a Ugh. nice photo on that. And it just never appeared in the That's app. Dramatic. I think yeah. one of the things you can do um, is if you note down your number, because obviously they've still got the numbers on them, mm. uh, you can go to guest relations uh, at the front of the park and they can sort you out. Right. So you go, hey, I'm going to get my photo from Splash Mountain. My number's 2251, I don't know. Um, and they can sort you out there. Right. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe that would have been the way to do it. But we trusted the technology, Josh. Yeah, sometimes the technology down. doesn't work. Sometimes uh, some of the rides have automated uh, recognition. So they'll automatically add it to your app. Yes, and I'm like, is this you? Yeah. Uh, and every time that happened, I was like, no, it is not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I, I don't, I think, look like a middle-aged lady. Yeah. Not yet, maybe one day. And I think certain, dream. certain rides are worse at it than others. So I think Splash Mountain often gets a lot of force. Haunted Mansion for us got it wrong. Yeah, that makes and... sense. Omni movers are going to be harder to, I would imagine, to get right. Yeah, and there was another one as well, which I can't remember off the top of my head. It wasn't Magic Kingdom; it was a different park. But yes, that that was generally pretty unreliable. The photo stuff, it's, which is a real bummer because it's like probably one of the biggest highlights of offloading things to the app. Yeah, for me, and when it works, it's great. Yeah, uh, although one thing I will say. Disney, if you're listening, app development team, I would absolutely love a just download all of these photos to my phone, please, option. You have to tap into every single photo, hit download, then it will say, do you want this in medium or high quality? I don't know about other people out there. It's always high quality. I mean... Yeah, you know, phones you, have got so much storage these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you're probably going to maybe want to print some of these out. So it's always high quality. So it just feels to me... Like I would just love an option in there where I can say you know, just default it to high quality and let me just literally download everything in bulk, yeah. or at the very least, you know, hold down on each photo so it will do that thing that basically every other photo or video app will do and allow you to just quickly tap on everything. Yeah. To sell it. Even something like that, but literally tap into every photo. It just takes way longer than it needs to. It's probably one of the things I really like about WhatsApp. Weirdly, um, is that it auto downloads you can press a button to auto download the images mm. to your uh, photos and i wish other apps that had photos in it did that yeah um because then you wouldn't have to worry about it at all it would just automatically do it automatically oh look at him he's uh indoctrinated by disney yeah. bobs if you're listening talking about magic kingdom for 20 minutes and look at him he's a he's a sucker but yeah no buzz like was fun and then it felt weird to then just leave tomorrow. See ya. Just like, oh, we haven't done Space Mountain. And at that point, to be fair, we weren't sure when we would do Space Mountain. And and I think that's that's another thing Genie has done. You, you It does feel a little bit like you're riding a little bit by the seat of your pants because you do sometimes have the experience that I just mentioned with, with my dad where it's like, what are we doing next? <laughs> you know, And you just look at what's available on Genie and yeah. you're kind of weighing up like, Okay, what's pretty soon, but uh, yeah, you know, but it's also a worthwhile ride to do uh, because you don't want to kind of burn one on something that you don't mind queuing for or don't think will ever have a big enough queue to make it worth it. So, Magic Kingdom, to be fair, it's a little bit of a hard one to judge because there are a lot of rides there. Yes, and in fairness, by the standards of a lot of the other parks, none of the rides there generally get enormous queues i think enormous queues they i think they get enormous queues by the standards of maybe five or six years ago mm-hmm. by the standards of our trip for example this year nothing at magic kingdom other than the mine train was posting wait times as long as something like rise of the resistance avatar or even at the other parks hagrid yeah sometimes velocicoaster although mostly hagrid. What, what are we talking about in terms of times here for these okay so i saw avatar get up to 140 minutes at one point okay. rise of the resistance up towards 135 
even stuff like Tower of Terror, which we'll get to why uh, on that episode, but that was posting wait times north of two hours. Yeah. Uh, whereas at Magic Kingdom, I think the longest I saw the mine train get on this particular day was about 80 minutes, which, which is, is not too bad. It's relatively short, actually, yeah. for, for the mine train. I think when we went, it was we were seeing at points times when it was up past two hours. Yeah. So, but we would, but you would often see the mountains get that high too. Right. So you'd have like n- nothing mental, but you'd have like quite, you'd have a few sort of hefty wait times, mm. but kind of evenly split around certain rides. Yeah. Whereas at other parks, it was quite often the case where everything wasn't too bad, but you'd have one or two which were just insane yeah. and would just take a massive chunk out of your day. Yeah. I'd imagine uh, once it is eventually built uh, or finished, yeah. Tron will be hitting those big numbers. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tron, I would imagine, will be a, pr- a premium lightning lane attraction. And I I would imagine Mine Train will, will also stay that way. I think Magic Kingdom was the only part Maybe Animal Kingdom did as well, where you only had one premium lightning right. lane option. So Hollywood Studios, there were two. And uh, at Epcot, there were two. And at Magic Kingdom, there was just the mine train. Uh, so after Buzz, uh, we went, and I think we went and had breakfast at that point, where oh. we, we got to uh, experience some 50th anniversary delights in oh, the form boy. of a, a cinnamon bun. Oh. From the Main Street Bakery, now known as Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I will say that, Josh, maybe the best cinnamon bun I've had in my life. Wow. Yeah. That is bold. I'm not like a massive cinnamon bun guy. Yeah. Uh, but that was a damn good cinnamon bun. That's, that's it, big. It was big. It was in the shape of a Mickey head, of course. Of course. Beautifully glazed. And had a kind of 50th anniversary chocolate coin as well, slapped in the middle there. That's beautiful. Uh, my sister got one for herself. And, you know, and everyone else got a different pastry. Yep. All played it a bit safe, you know, stuff that people were familiar with. You know, like yeah. A blueberry muffin, an almond crossing. You can't go wrong. My sister was like, I'm going to get the big Mickey thing. And uh, eyes bigger than her belly. Everyone had to pitch in to have a bit of Mickey. And uh, Mickey delivered, I tell you. So as a first kind of experience of a 50th anniversary treat, yeah, that was a good one. Mm. Set the bar high. Mickey always delivers. Mickey always delivers, yeah. And, uh, you know, we went into, shout out to Disney Food Blog, which was our kind of go-to YouTube channel for kind of getting hyped for the Disney parks in the weeks leading up to our trip. Yeah. We'd sit around the dinner table. Normally we put the news on. Don't know if people are aware. News has been a little bit depressing recently. So we would instead pop YouTube on the kitchen TV and watch some Disney food blog videos. And uh, yeah, we were we were ready to to go above and beyond with our theme park food intake this year. And uh, that cinnamon bun kind of opened the floodgates. It's a, it's a I would good, say. good Disney starter, that is. Yeah, it was very sure. nice. While we were having breakfast, we booked our second lightning lane, which was for Haunted Mansion. Okay. And I think that was in the hour between something like, it was like 11 to 12 or like 11.15 to 12.15, something like that. Yeah. So that felt like quite a good one to do. And in the meantime, we went and queued, we thought we were committing to something like an hour or a 65 minute wait for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh So this is another example, I would say, of a ride that can get like a fairly hefty wait time, but it's never going to get. It's never going to get crazy. No. But by this point of the day, people have started to 
finish off their 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 big ones to start with, uh, and are starting to filter around the different rides the in classics. the park, and have ended up maybe at somewhere like Pirates. And I think that's what, that works in Magic Kingdom's favour because uh, you just have more choice as as people emerge from their first or second ride of the day. Yeah. They've just got way more to choose from for rides three, four, five, six. Whereas at some of the other parks, everyone goes to somewhere like Rise of the Resistance first at MGM. A lot of people are coming off that at the same time. Yeah. And then maybe the obvious second choice at a park like that, which there might you might say is Slinky or maybe Tower of Terror, that will then instantly get a queue almost as big as Rise of the Resistance because everyone is going there. It's migrated, yeah. And I think that, that very much plays, is probably the best benefit of Magic Kingdom being passively the original park mm. and having a lot of the original rides is that it's really hard to then remove those rides. So it yes. means that you get actually get more and more rides added. Even if it is really slow progress adding those rides over time, um, you're actually, because you can't get rid of the older ones... Exactly. And keep adding more and it keeps spreading people out more. Yeah, that's a good point because I think at almost every other park, kind of the oldies are kind of a little bit neglected in terms of the interest of guests. Yeah. Like you'll never see, uh, you know, I love E.T., but you'll never see that get a particularly massive wait time. No. Uh, or even at some of the other Disney parks, for example, like a lot of the Epcot classics, not much interest in those. Uh, you know, Hollywood Studios, something like Star Tours. We barely saw go over 15 minutes. Wow. Whereas at Magic Kingdom, there's still real reverence for the rides that have been there the whole time. And so something like Pirates can still absorb a lot of guests and, and help keep wait times elsewhere uh, manageable. Uh, but as I said earlier, uh, wait times shorter than they said they'd be was a running theme. And Pirates, we were in and out of there in about half an hour, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was good going and still love that ride. Still smells delightful. Oh. I forget how good it smells in there, Josh. I always go to Florida like yeah. E.T., far and away, the best smelling ride. Pirates is right Pirates. up there. And the, I think one of the good things about Pirates as well is, is the air con in, the, in it as well. So the smell and the coolness mm. hits you and you feel like you're on the coast. It just feels suddenly. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Real coastal vibes from it. And I think it's really great. Yeah. Uh, Cap- Captain Jack as well was hanging around outside. One of the very, very few. Should he not be in court? I, I did think that, actually, yes. And I did wonder why. Uh, I did wonder if that might be why the queue to meeting was quite short and people just sort of keeping their distance at this time. But uh, one of the very few uh, examples of, of a character meet and greet that felt a bit old school, i.e., he was just kind of hanging out. There was not an enormous queue. Yeah, there's not five of them in a building. And it felt a bit like if you if, if I'd wanted to just then go and get a quick photo with Jack, I could have done in yeah. like five minutes or less. Whereas for the most part, it was either, as you described, there were these very uh, kind of structured, I guess, meet and greet experiences, yeah, which are literally listed as attractions in yeah. the app. They so, can get some of the biggest cues. I know. Uh, so, for you know, meeting Anna and Elsa or something like that will we'll be in the app and we'll post big cues. Uh, or there will just not be any. So, uh, as we will get to in Hollywood Studios, one of the big takeaways for me from Galaxy's Edge was no, no meet and greets in here. Like, you'll see 
characters doing very performative things at points like up on stages or in front of ships doing almost little skits with with the audience and stuff but no just kind of organic meet and greets to right, be had yeah. or even people standing in a space and people queuing to meet characters none of that and i understand you know obviously covid i think had a big impact on meet and greets and they're, they're starting to ramp them up again now but but at least as as far as you know three weeks ago or whatever they're seemingly in a bit of a strange place but yeah jack was there you could have met him fairly easily so that was quite nice to see that's good uh, so that was a shorter queue than you was expected what was next well, because of that, we, we were too early to go yeah. into our haunted mansion lightning lane. So we couldn't do that. And I think we then went and did the Hall of Presidents. That's obviously right next door. Yeah. Uh, and that, that presented one of the highlights of the trip, which was uh, a little kid walking up to a bust of, I think it was Abraham Lincoln, and okay. saying, Dad, it's Walt Disney. <laughs> and then having to hear the dad be like, uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh yeah, I mean, this is just where my mind goes, I guess, uh, going into the Hall of Presidents these days. I, there was almost part of me that were like, are people going to, like, boo? Mm. Uh, you know, are people going to get... Has this become, like, polarised? Are people going to get angry at this show? But no, there was none of that. And, uh, you know, one of my big regrets of the 2019 trip that we had, uh, which was obviously when Trump was president, uh, was that we didn't we didn't go to Magic Kingdom, so we didn't get to see Trump. And in the Hall of speech. Presidents and hear his speech. He's still there, right? He could, he He's still there. In. He's just in the background with all the other presidents. Yeah. And he'll nod when he gets introduced and then he'll look at Biden as it is now. And I, well, one thing I think has changed, and I don't know if this is because of how polarised American politics is right now. I feel like the president, the sitting president who gives a speech at the end always used to have a bit more of a bespoke speech. Whereas now, as far as I could tell, he just recites the oath uh, right. from the inauguration. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that was what was going on there, uh, but it was very funny to me how even in kind of slightly creepy robot form, Trump still just looks massively out of place and confused. <laughs> like they've nailed the way he kind of stands and looks around, seemingly without oh, wow. a clue. Yeah, that's what was going on, and and all I could think of looking at these robots um, on the stage, which was I could have believed some of these were real people. Whereas the Trump one just, uh, it felt like, you know, you, you zoom into where his brain should be and it would just be a, mon- a monkey playing the symbols yeah. like Homer Simpson, you know. That's the vibe I got from the Trump robot. So they nailed it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, but by that time, that was over. Yeah. Uh, as tempting as it was to do it again. Uh, we did go and do the Haunted Mansion, which is still excellent. And laughs in the face of COVID protocol. <laughs> I do find in the COVID era, and obviously, you know, as a running theme, not not many people wearing masks, no attempts at social distancing. Yeah. Please use all available spaces back in fashion. That is that is absolutely the approach to getting people on rides. But uh yeah, as as people who certainly in the build up to the holiday had been a bit careful COVID wise. Yeah. It was funny to just kind of bundle into a room. Yeah. Now we're here. Shoulder to shoulder with strangers, everyone breathing the same air, and then literally have a voiceover boast about the fact that you're stuck in a room with no windows and no doors. And I was like, <laughs> what happened to good ventilation? But it all just goes out the window. Uh, yeah, and I would have to imagine that if you don't work in a school and therefore aren't going to get COVID off a kid yeah. in your day-to-day life, or if you don't have kids, obviously, uh, the best place to get COVID, surely, 
is Disney World. Uh, I mean, I came out unscathed somehow, but I'd have to imagine that there are certain parts of those rides, the Haunted Mansion pre-show being one of them, where it's just like, give me that sweet, sweet COVID. It's got to be here somehow. Yeah. That's still a great ride, though, Josh. You won't be surprised to hear. I I am glad. Uh, I really enjoyed that ride. Last time we went, my family were a bit like, yeah, it's getting a bit long in the tooth now. It's getting a bit no. old. I know. No. I've got no appreciation for fine art. No, absolutely not. And I appreciated it even more for having watched the Imagineering story, kind of have a better insight into how all that stuff works. Yeah. Just how ahead of its time it was when it opened. And because of that, a lot of the effects are still kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah. It still really, looks great. Really worked really, really well. Did get stuck on it, though. Uh, but I feel like that's just how it goes. Uh, yeah, so... It stops quite often for accessibility. Mm. Um, People, you know, just people in wheelchairs, that sort of thing, getting on and off the ride. Yeah, and I can imagine people just, like, dropping stuff on that ride all the time as well. Just seems like the way it would go. Uh, As I say, the ride photo on that one did not work for us. However, uh, we did get a nice photo. There's There's a cast member standing out front who will take photos... Uh, of you in front of the mansion, yeah, and they'll do one with uh, with a visual effect on it, oh. where there's a, uh, a hitchhiking ghost. Brilliant, will intrude upon your family photos. So, so that's good fun. Uh, I'm just scrolling back because if people follow us on the Parkrush Podcast Twitter feed, I was pretty pretty good about documenting each day at the parks, and I'm just trying to uh, find. The Magic Kingdom thread, just so I'm making sure I don't forget anything. Uh, But yes, uh, after the Haunted Mansion, uh, based on my Twitter thread, we wandered on round to what used to be Toontown USA and is now like a funfair kind of setting. Uh, So we went over there via Fantasyland. Um, I guess that's all just part of Fantasyland now. I think so, yeah. I think it's got sort of... It used to be Mickey's Toontown Fair, I believe, yeah, is how it was presented. Yeah. So there's not a ton going on in there now. I mean, that's where Dumbo now is. Which, weirdly enough, my sister and I thought, should we do Dumbo? We're like, yeah, let's do Dumbo. <laughs> but to queue for Dumbo, you queue, and then you go into like an indoor children's play area where you are held for a little while, and then they let you know when you can then go and finish the queuing for Dumbo. Right. And when my sister and I got to that point, we were like, no, no. maybe not. Yeah. So that was a bit of a bummer. But while we were in there, the other thing, by the way, I don't know how long this has been the case. You can't go and Mickey Minnie's house anymore. And there were no character meet and greets going on in the big circus. Oh. So there's not really much reason to go in there, to be honest, unless you want to do Dumbo or the Barnstormer. Barnstormer. Did you do Barnstormer? No, we did not. No. Uh, But we did get a Mickey pretzel, which sacrilege, I know, but this was our first Mickey pretzel. What? I know. What? Unbelievable. I mean, I love pretzels. Anytime I get an opportunity to get pretzel, um, then I get one. Uh, I mean, this, like I said, best cinnamon bun I'd ever had in the morning. Mm. Probably best pretzel I'd ever had in the afternoon, Josh. Big. It was really good. Yeah. Although I was the only one who liked the cheese dip. Okay. What sort of cheese dip? Was it like a... It was a bit like something you'd get with your nachos, I guess, at the cinema. Right, yeah. But it was hot, which isn't always the case. cheese. Yes. uh, You know... I do, I do enjoy how very often you look on menus in America and they are loud and proud about calling it plastic cheese or whatever, <laughs> yeah. which would put off most people, I, I suspect. 
but they're just like, yeah, it's, it's a bit like you're eating plastic. Yeah, and deal I with it. I think that's why everyone else in my family doesn't really go for it. Whereas I'm like, yep, just give me that clearly fake food. Go for it. Uh, but that was good fun. I do like there's a shop. The shop back there is quite, it's always quite empty. So it's quite easy to walk around back there. In and the it's got some food items in the tent. Oh, in the tent, yes. There was nowhere near as much as, as much in that uh, tent shop as I remember there being in years gone by. It was mostly, uh, they, they've got like a sort of a sweet uh, yeah. stand in the middle there where you can get your kind of toffee apples and things like that. But in terms of merchandise, there's nowhere near as much going on. It seems like quite a strange use of space, actually. Yeah, I guess I don't know what else to use for it. No, maybe not. But I remember always there being like, that would be the place I'd always go growing up. I wanted to get a cuddly toy from the trip. That would often be a good place to go. Wasn't really even that much of that going on in there that I can remember. Quite a lot of Mickey and Minnie ears to buy, uh, but not not a ton of stuff in there, I must say. Uh, heading back through uh, New Fantasyland. Well, I guess it's just Fantasyland now. It's not new. I, I would say in terms of uh, rides that that we didn't get done this was the the part where where we kind of left the most on the cutting room floor so we didn't do peter pan for example would have been that was the key one yeah but we did some of the stuff in here so uh, we did mickey's fill our magic which is a favorite of mine they've added more they, stuff to they've that, added right? coco right yeah which i must admit i kind of expected uh coco would just replace an existing scene so not to change the runtime of the show but no, they've literally just implanted it into the kind of into the middle, oh. uh, and and you know the previous scene and and the and the scene afterwards, uh, it all just continues pretty seamlessly. That's cool, and it's great. I love Coco, and uh, uh, Un Poco Loco is a good addition to Fidel Magic. It's, it's a banger. It's fun to see Donald flying around in a Pixar world, which oh, yeah was uh, was the first I believe for Fidel Magic. There was no Pixar representation in that ride That's before cool. now. Yeah. Uh, and and knowing now that they did literally ex- kind of extend the runtime just by chucking that in there, I kind of like the idea of every few years they they add a new scene based on a new Disney ride, and eventually Phil our Magic is just like a three hour yeah. orchestral epic, you know, with just a ton of stuff in there. Can't I, get um, Sammy Eagle from the Muppets to introduce it. Yes, absolutely. So I still very much like Phil our Magic. That is uh, maybe one of my favourites. Uh, we also did It's a Small World. Classic. Uh, which I must admit, I was slightly distracted by because as a rule for this trip, I turned off a lot of notifications on my phone, deleted a lot of apps. Yeah. Uh, but my sister wasn't quite so strict about it. And Arsenal were playing Chelsea at the time that we were on It's a Small World. A match which I was kind of expecting to be glad to switch off from because, frankly, I expected Arsenal to get battered. Yeah. Uh, but my sister then got a phone notification about... Uh, about Arsenal, in fact, seemingly winning this match and couldn't hide her excitement. So we basically spent most of It's a Small World <laughs> refreshing the BBC Sport app, like, are they going to bloody beat Chelsea? Before you know it, we're almost at the end of It's a Small World. Yeah. So sorry, It's a Small World, maybe didn't show you the respect that you deserve, but, you know, you still got Russia on there. So maybe you deserve none. Mm. It's a small world after all, Tom. That's the message behind it. What do you think, Josh? Do you think they would legit? Do you think there's a legitimate case to be made to? I know, I know. You know, it's maybe a bit of a deep argument for a thing for a podcast. Would you? Do you think there's a case to be made to remove Russia from it's a small world? No, I, Tom. Honestly, I think Russia should stay. You do? Yeah, as a point to prove the fact 
that we live on a small world after all. Oh, okay. And we should be nice and friendly to our neighbours. Fine. All right. All right. Well, you know, don't at me, everyone. If you don't even at the Park Crush podcast, if you disagree, at this guy. Yeah, I want none of it. <laughs> Did you uh, on this small world? Something that often happens is by the end of it, you just get backed up in a queue of boats waiting to disembark. Uh, yes, yes, that did happen, of course. I think that, you know, is part of the reason why uh, that song is so despised by some. It's not that it's on a loop for the duration of the ride. It's that by the time you get to the end of the ride, it feels like there's no escape yeah. because you are then just stuck yeah. and it's just droning on uh, and, and can become a little bit overbearing. But yes, that did happen. As you say, it's kind of, it always does. Much like Haunted Mansion probably breaking at some point that you're on it yeah uh small world always gets backed up yeah so after the arsenal victory news where it was next on your agenda oh one other thing about it's a small world and i would not be surprised if this is no longer the case but while we were there they still had plexiglass up in the uh queue oh okay interesting uh, which was uh, also still the case on a few other rides at the disney parks uh Runaway Railway at Hollywood Studios still had plexiglass up, but I believe within days of our last visit, they had taken that down. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case when it's a small world. But uh, it, it did feel a bit weird, given that there wasn't really a whole lot of COVID protocol otherwise to seemingly to, to still have plexiglass up on this particular ride. Yeah. Um, one remaining COVID protocol, I guess, that was very apparent at all the parks, and I personally would hope and see no reason why they wouldn't stay mm-hmm. other than cost-cutting, is hand sanitizer stations up the wazoo. <laughs> Basically, at every ride, coming off every ride, oh, wow. you could pump a hand sanitizer uh, bottle and, and, and clean your hands up. So I, I see no reason, like I say, other than financial, why you would get rid of that. Yeah, uh, But the plexiglass was actually quite strange. It, it, it felt quite uh, restrictive and mm. almost like imposing to kind of be shuffling down these very narrow queue lines with plexiglass, yeah. plexiglass, plexiglass either side of you. So I'm actually quite glad those are gone. Yeah, that makes yeah, it, it can it can ruin the uh, the vibe for sure. Yeah, uh, we did Winnie the Pooh after that, which I tweeted, "Don't at me." It's the best ride in Fantasyland. Oh, old big. Do you agree, Josh? Uh, no. No? What do you think is the best ride in Fantasyland? Uh, I mean, I really enjoy Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, we had not done the Mine Train at this point, as we will get to. Uh, but I just think Winnie the Pooh, I think as an audio-visual experience, it's great. I think there are some really clever, like there's a really clever Pepper, Pepper's ghost effect mm-hmm. with Pooh when he's, when, he, when he's sleeping and, and ends up dreaming about heffalumps. Yeah. Uh, there's some, um, I think the use of music's great. There's some fantastic animatronic work. There's just so much to look at. Like everywhere you look, there's something going on on that ride. Yeah. And I also like the range of, uh, I guess, movement mm. on the ride car itself. And as someone who... Once very much loved the cat in the hat, Josh, until they hamstrung it so brutally by making it less spinny and less bouncy and all that stuff. The spirit of that, I believe, lives on closest in Winnie the Pooh. In Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So I'm a big fan of Winnie the Pooh. I mean, I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan anyway. I think it's a very strong, it's a very strong outing. It's great. Yeah. 
It's great. And I believe this is what replaced Mr. Toad's Wild Ride yes. back in the day. And, you know, I think I may have said on this podcast before, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was an, was a favourite of mine and my dad's uh, when I was a kid. He had me convinced for many years that the reason it closed was because I'd personally broken it by driving through the wall on that ride. Apparently that was not a fixed point in the ride. That was very much me yeah. driving the car off track into the wall and that's why it broke down. Yeah. And I was that's devastated. Why, that's why they eventually had to replace it with Winnie the Pooh. Well, yes. And I believed that for a long time. till about three weeks ago, in fact. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was Fantasyland for now. Then we head back into Tomorrowland, Josh. And we do the People Mover, the Blue Train. The Blue Train. Another family favourite. Yeah. Although this got stuck a few times. We ended up being on it for far longer than planned. Oh. Although we did get an excellent view of Tron. Oh, uh, where we got stuck. And, there were, and I think what summed it all up, really... Uh, in, in terms of how long that's taken and, and the jokes people make about how much longer it might be. Mm. Uh, people didn't say, people were were hardly working more than working hard, I would say, on that ride. I think I spotted about four workmen in there. Two of them were probably having a chat. Someone was on the phone and then there was just another one in there kind of looking around aimlessly. Like, Does anyone remember what we're building in here? I, I've kind of forgot. Uh, so, yeah, it didn't feel like that was <laughs> moving rapidly along. Right. But, uh, what you want to hear? Who knows when Tron will will finally debut at the Magic Kingdom? But they're working on it, Josh. They're working on it. Well, it's a start, at least. Yeah, I guess it's so. the thought that counts. Yeah. Uh, I think we did Jungle Cruise next. I think we wandered right on over to the Jungle Cruise uh, and committed to. And this was a similar situation to Pirates, I guess, mm. where we commit to a seventy-five minute queue. And end up doing it in about 40. You always come off feeling good about that. You do? Yeah. And uh, I wonder if it's deliberate. Maybe. I think Disney posts these wait times knowing full well that they're not that bad. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Jungle Cruise is still great. They haven't added Dwayne Johnson or Emily Blunt, as it turns Shocking. out. They have made changes there, right? Have they? Yeah. To be they less, went over my head. To be more, uh, more woke- I guess as the, as the, uh, as the as woke Disney, as the kids might say or not say, uh, yeah, right. Um, so it's less uh, uh, colonial, I guess, maybe, um, and more uh, appreciative of uh, you know indigenous people from those areas, right? Yeah, okay. I must. Say, I mean, it had been a long time. I mean, like I said, when we went in 2019, we did not do Magic Kingdom, which means our last Magic Kingdom visit was either 2016 or 15 right which is which is a long time ago you know that's yeah. uh, six or seven years since we were last at magic kingdom so yeah if there have been changes and you know i believe you that there have been on jungle cruise i didn't notice them to be honest yeah, and uh, the skipper was still a good time delivery was was solid audience interaction was on point Strong. And, it, and, it, and it and it coped well at the end when there was a, a bit like it's a small world a bit of a backup yeah and he coped well with the delay there. Had a bit of fun with it. So it was a solid experience on the Jungle Cruise, I would say. Not my favourite ride to queue for because you are a little bit more exposed to the Florida heat. Yeah. So, you know, that can be a bit of a struggle. Very, But the Florida heat adds to the theming of that ride. It does. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But we weren't sort of fully acclimatised by by this point. I mean, yeah. to just put it into context, we'd arrived on a on a Sunday night yeah. in Florida and this was the Wednesday. 
So we, we we got into this pretty quickly, I would say, and uh, and we yeah we were still kind of getting to grips with the heat. Very much feel like Jack Whitehall in the film. A little bit, yes. A little bit, yes. And I do wonder if they will ever take some of the ride stuff on board a little more on that ride or not. I don't know. Yeah, because the ride was a. Uh, sorry, the the film seemingly was a hit. I think there is a sequel expected. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So I wonder if they will at some point do that, but I don't know. I mean, obviously with pirates, right? They put Jack Sparrow in it. Yeah. But he did become whatever you think of him, a, a, some something of an iconic character. I don't know if that's really the case with Jungle Cruise so much. The, so. the Rock is so iconic already by uh, himself. The Rock is just the Rock in everything you yeah. see him in. You know, uh, who was he actually in that? Was it Frank? Frank, yeah. Franc- Francisco. That's right. Of he... course. The twist. Yeah. Spoilers. 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 So by this point, I mean, we're pretty late in the day by now, I think. It's kind of late afternoon. Yeah. And you... it's that point you kind of make the decision of are we going the whole way here or not? Yeah. So we clearly decide we are because we then go and commit to, I think, what was posted as a 75-minute wait for the mine train. Okay. Uh, which we'd never done. Yeah. Just like, did you, so obviously you kind of blown through a usual lunch time. Yes, we, we didn't have, we, the pretzel was lunch. Right, okay. We, we had two pretzels between four of us. A strong lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that. Uh, it's often the way at the theme parks, to be honest, we... We power through the day on on not a ton at all, like a bit of a sugar rush, really. Yeah, have a have a good dinner after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we went and did the mine train. Uh, according to my Twitter thread from the day, this was actually posted as a ninety minute wait. This did end up being shorter, as well, but it felt long. You've done the mine train, yes? Yeah. So I find the queue line there to be a little bit of a struggle. It's a bit. Thought Park Alton Towersy, I would say, up until you get to maybe fifteen twenty minutes from the ride. Yeah. So the first like hour or however long you're there for is just kind of bland fences, and then there's a bit more theming fifteen twenty minutes from the ride. Yeah, there is a there is a portion of the ride where they've got kind of a little bit of a the, the sort of like a some gems and diamonds, I think they're supposed to be, that the kids are meant to be able to kind of interact with in a way. Yeah. They were, and I believe that may well have changed a little they, bit. There used to be screens there, I believe. Right. And they got rid of the screens. Yeah, now they're just kind of, uh, I, I guess, kind of on physical props mm. that you can kind of slap. And what they want you to do, Tom, is go on the Disney Play app. They do. They do want you to go on the Disney Play app. And uh, I didn't do much of that uh, other than at, Hollywood Studios, as we'll get to, yeah. is a bit more involved in Galaxy's Edge. But yeah, this this queue was north of an hour. I think it was about seventy minutes for us. Uh, so it was a big, it was a big chunk of time. It was shorter than it said it was, but it was still uh, by far the longest we queued for anything on the day. Yeah. Uh, but I was surprised by the thrill level. I would say of that ride. Okay. Uh, good, it it good felt quite nippy. Yeah. yeah, it felt quite quick and nippy. And yeah. the um, scene where you go inside and see the dwarves is great. Oh, yeah, really good. 
And I like the, the fact that the barrels uh, rotate around an axis, so you're not rigid to the track. Mm. I think adds a lot to it as well. Yeah. What's your What's your take on something Disney have, uh, are employing quite a lot these days, which is almost like these projections? Yes. So for, for facial animation, instead of it be a, an animatronic, uh, it, it's kind of a projection onto what I assume is almost like a blank surface. So the body will move as, as an animatronic would, but then I guess what they're going for is for more sort of nuanced it was. facial movements that they, they yeah. use projections instead. Or, or do you think of it's, that pro- it's a lot easier to tweak it than mm. with animatronics, right? And it's a lot easier to maintain long term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the earlier uses of it are a bit rough. Um, I think it's improved a lot because um, they use the same technology on uh, the Frozen rides. Mm. Um, and it kind it's kind of mixed. It depends on how bright the room is. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing. And I think it's fine. I thought it was pretty good on the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. I actually found it to be a little distracting on Frozen because... Yeah. Their faces appear incredibly bright, uh, and and it and they look, it's like a completely different skin tone to yeah. the rest of the model. Uh, and then, as we will get to on Hollywood Studios, uh, on uh, the Runaway Railway, it broke in an absolutely hilarious oh, way. God. At one point, it was very very yeah. funny. I think you know, obviously, Mind Train is a dark. You're in a cave, mm. so it works. You can have less brightness on the projector, which means you can have a more natural color tone yeah to the face whereas on the frozen ride the room is a lot brighter yeah so this projector then has to be even brighter to compensate for that and then i think that's why it looks a bit yeah um oversaturated i guess i guess so yeah and i think you know like you say it being easier to maintain is a good point because one ride i did gloss over while we were in fantasyland was that we did the voyage of the little mermaid Mm. which was a fast pass one we did on the fast pass a little bit of kind of a for the sake of it kind of one, to be honest. I mean, Disney tell you on the app now, which I don't think was the case when it first launched, that you should expect to get about three or four rides on your Genie. Yeah. Which, I mean, it depends how you feel about it. Three or four rides for $15 as it is. It's $15 a person. So it was 60 for us as a group of four. Is that good value or not? I mean, yeah. If from the point of view of we are literally paying for something that used to be free yeah. of course not but I, if you've decided to pay for it is three or four rides good going I don't know really you used to get three straight out the gate on the free system yeah well that's the thing I mean what I will say we never had less than that I think we were minimum four every time okay on the genie so we we maybe outperformed uh, what Disney would expect most people to do but I think that's because we went into it with a fair with that strategy I mentioned at the top of not. I don't, I'm sure a lot of people are like log on at seven, book the book the the biggest ride, the busiest ride, even if that means we're not actually using it until mid afternoon. Yeah, and then of course you're you haven't got much time to get much more out of it by the end of the day. Whereas we we did not do that. What I was going to say about Voyage of the Little Mermaid was there was a scene where the merma, uh, the aerial animatronic was a bit funky. And essentially, it looked like she'd broken her jaw. Oh, her jaw was just kind of hanging a little bit loose. Bless her, she was still singing along. There was a bit of movement there, oh. but it was a bit freaky, Yeah, to be fair. Uh, she would have looked more more at home, perhaps in Coco, actually, oh, at that point yeah. in time. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, I like the mind train. I like the mind train. Uh, that last scene is... Um, 
I, I like kind of how creepy it is with the the old hag at the door. Mm. Uh, it's very ominous. Yeah, it's almost like sequel baiting in yeah, ride form. For a ride, yeah. It's like the sequel to that ride is the old Snow White ride that is now lo- no longer there, right? Snow yeah. White Scary Adventures. Like, so, oh, yeah. you've had the happy go lucky roller coaster. Now go into the dark, and the witch will push a boulder on you. Yeah. And- That'd be quite cool if, like, if you got off and there was two, you could just go and leave, or you could go on Snow White Scary Adventure. Yeah, like, that was the, your exit was through Snow White Scary Adventure. What replaced that? Do you remember? I don't know. I don't. Was it Phil or Magic? Or I can't remember how long it's been gone for. But uh, it's been uh, a while. I don't know. Yeah. No. Anyway, post Mind Train, and this was not the first time that this happened, but it felt like we slightly played the system so far oh, as the genie goes, or beautiful. got quite lucky at least. That's what we like to see, Tom. So on this particular day, Space Mountain, we'd noticed, had been down numerous times. Yeah. So uh, we ended up being able to, I think as a result of that, get a lightning lane slot for the, for Space Mountain. I think between the hours of something like seven-ish and eight. Yeah. Which it being, you know, by the time we booked that, I think it was before we'd done, it would have been after we'd done the Mermaid before we did like Jungle Cruise, I think. Yeah. So it would have been about mid-afternoon maybe when we booked it. And uh, it felt like a bit of a get, like, oh, this probably shouldn't be possible, mm. but we got it. Yeah. But then you ended up in a slightly bizarre situation where because it had been closed for so long, you had a lot of backed up lightning lane demand from people who'd booked at various points during the day and were only now just being able to get on. Yeah. So we ended up in a situation where, and we would go on to experience the other side of this, where the lightning lane line is way longer than the standby line (laughs) but it's kind of moving faster because they they are just letting more lightning lane people on and standby line people are getting on at a snail's pace even though there's nowhere near enough people in the standby line for the standby line to take that long if that makes sense yeah for sure so i guess this is kind of like a great example of the problem people have with this system is this standby line based on the number of people who are in it should not be very long at all. Because we had a we, we, we kept saying to ourselves, like, how are they operating this? Because we are clearly in a really long line here for Space Mountain, even though we're in the paid for lane. Yeah. And we're looking to our left at the standby line and there's like nobody there. And then you get to kind of the bit where it starts to wrap around on itself and where they start to board people. Yeah. And that's when it became clear to us what was actually going on, which was, OK, from this point, we should move fairly swiftly, actually. And clearly everyone else in the standby line who probably got really quickly to that seemingly last leg of the queue thinking, oh, boy, we've walked straight on this. Yeah. Oh, and now we are being artificially held in place because we haven't paid. Yeah. That being said, I think it still took us about 40 minutes to get through despite through being in the lightning lane. Wow. Yeah. Lightning lane. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, was it worth the wait? Probably not, Ooh. to be honest. I am a lover of Space Mountain, but I think it. You know, and I feel this way even more having done a lot of other rides subsequently. Yeah. It's feeling its age a little bit. And I think I may have said last week or maybe to you off off air, uh, whereas those leather seats once felt like a nice perk. Yeah. Like, oh, these are comfy. Now they feel like an absolute necessity because you'd break your spine. Yeah. Otherwise. 
So I, I think, yeah, I wouldn't rush to Space Mountain in the same way I once did if I went back to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, but, okay. you know, we were glad to get it done. And it was interesting to get a first-hand experience of how the Lightning Lane can kind of go wrong. Yeah. And I guess, you know, justifies all the views you have about it, Josh. What can I say? You know, um, I don't do ifs, buts or maybes. I, uh, I deal in facts. You're dealing absolutes, yeah, like a Sith. Yeah, what can you say? All right. Well, at that point, it's fairly late. I mean, we must be getting close to eight o'clock, and we um, at that point are like, well, we may as well stay for the fireworks. It's only half twelve, Tom. Oh yeah. Well, it feels like we've been going a while. And uh, on the way to, uh, or you know, to fill time before the fireworks, we're, we're going to eat. So uh, I jump on the app, and in, while walking from Space Mountain to where we've decided to eat, which is the Harbour House. In uh, the Columbia Harbour Harbour House in Liberty Square, yeah, I order all the food on the app. So it's my first experience of mobile ordering. Worked well, yeah. I put all, put it all through on the app. By the time we got there, you can then let the app know when you've arrived. Oh, Makes cool. sense to do it a little bit before you get there, may as well. Yeah, and then within a few moments of your arrival, uh, you'll get pinged on the app. You go up there, and they'll have all your food ready. So that all worked very well, and and the food was was okay. This was probably my least favourite thing park meal. Uh, as, as I think you'll discover over the course of these trip reports, I found the standard thing pot food to be pretty high. Of course, I did very much like the cinnamon bun and the pretzel on this particular day. But this was, you know, more of a meal. I had a, a, lo- a New England lobster shrimp roll, or, or just lobster roll, I think it was. Which is kind of like a, you know, a very small helping of lobster. Yeah. In uh, some sort of mayo with a bit of lettuce and tomato in a very buttery. Yes. Uh, kind of New England roll. The roll was the best part, I would say. The lobster helping was, was lacking. Uh, and that came with fries. Uh, my mum had a kind of chicken salad, which looked all right. And my sister and dad had like a fish burger, uh, which was probably the best looking of the of the meals which is, that we had there. Which is always a shock, I would say. Yeah, it was like, so, you know, battered fish in a bun. You can't really oh, go wrong. That's quite good. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, not far off a McDonald's fish burger, I guess. A fillet um, of fish. Yeah, but the bigger bits of fish and two bits of fish as well. Saying it's not far off a fillet of fish is is not high praise in my book, Tom. No, uh, well, like visually, it doesn't look. You know, I, I guess the closest approximation right. to what I'm trying to describe to a fillet, people a fillet might of be fish that. is very much uh, bottom of the barrel McDonald's order for me. Right. Yeah. Now these these were chunky bits of fish than that. Uh, a, a nicer helping. Uh, but I got a 50th anniversary treat here. Oh. Which was uh, uh, the, the Haunted Mansion-themed milkshake, oh. which I'm going to try and find the name of specifically. But essentially, I, it was a blackberry milkshake, which was interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever had a blackberry milkshake no, before, so. but it almost was, I wouldn't say closer to a smoothie than a milkshake, but it had a smoothie qualities. You okay. know, it wasn't as sweet as a milkshake, but it was still a bit sharp. Yeah. And... Uh, and and I think that it wasn't quite as thick as a milkshake either. So it was actually weirdly refreshing. You know, it's listed as a dessert, but the drink side of it was, yeah, wasn't too kind of filling and overwhelming as a milkshake can be. Uh, what really makes it a dessert is the fact that there's just a big ass donut slapped on the top. <laughs> of uh, course, yeah. Is, why wouldn't you? Exactly. Why wouldn't you? Uh, so that was good. Uh, I'm just looking up what they call this exactly. It's the Happy Haunts Milkshake 
blackberry milkshake, as I say, topped with a purple chocolate glazed donut covered with black sprinkles. Oh. Uh, I thought the donut was really good, actually. It didn't really have... It, it didn't have... Uh, what? It didn't have a massively donut texture to it, actually. It was a bit more crumbly than I would oh, interesting. think a donut was traditionally, but... I very much enjoyed it, and it was a nice way to polish off what was otherwise a fairly underwhelming meal. Uh, and then we stayed for the fireworks. First time we'd stayed for the Magic Kingdom fireworks at the bitter end. We didn't have the Unbelievable. greatest view, but we could soak it up enough. It was fun. People had a good time. The kids went wild around us when Frozen came on. I thought you were just talking about you and yeah. your sister. Well, I mean, that just goes without saying. I don't need to specify when I was going mad. I was just in a constant state of delirium oh. throughout the entire day. Uh, but no, that was a long day. I, I did 20,000 steps and uh, it was long. It was it was brutal in some ways, but a good way to, I, I would say, properly start the trip because SeaWorld, SeaWorld doesn't count. No. Um, I think, you know, the main takeaways here are uh, food is of a good standard. Yeah, food was good, uh, especially the 50th anniversary stuff. So the cinnamon roll and the milkshake yep. were, were 50th anniversary items and I enjoyed them both. And uh, if you work in a system like my family has always done of working clockwise or counterclockwise around the park, maybe sack that off. Maybe sack that off. As I say, you're kind of a slave to the genie. Yeah. And I, I wonder what the best approach will be if you don't use the genie, actually. I, it's, it, this is what they want, of course. Hmm. It, but it's kind of hard for me to imagine how we would have tackled any one of these four Disney parks without the genie to be honest yeah there are guides out there for the best ways to do that uh, which i would which i would uh, encourage you seek out so best ways to approach each park yeah. depending on which situation you're in but for us at the end of each day we felt like we'd got most of everything done we felt we'd had productive days but they were all very long days and they all involved us purchasing the genie yes so um, there you go and i think uh, an alternative to the the free level of Disney Genie that allows you to you know, plan, you know, see the times or whatever, um, is touring plans have their own app that does the times and that sort of thing. So it allows you to plan your day through that. So maybe that could be an option as well. Mm. Not a sponsor. Um, yes, but I would say a, a good approach. Uh, I would is the one I've mentioned a few times here, which is don't necessarily be drawn into. Uh, to, to going for what you might feel are the very obvious e-ticket rides for your first genie selections. Unless, of course, you get lucky, you're very quick on it and you load the app up at 7 in the morning and you can get a Splash Mountain booking for 10 a.m. Yep. Great, why not? But I think if you log in and you see Splash already isn't available until maybe midday, I would just go and do those kind of rides first because the queues are never going to be as short as they are at that point in the day, especially at a point in Magic Kingdom where I don't think there is an obvious let's go here first ride for a lot of people. Yeah, Plenty are going to go to space, plenty are going to go to Mine Train, plenty are going to go to Splash. And so I would kind of stick to your guns a little bit and not and not necessarily burn a Genie Plus selection on a ride that you can't get on for a few hours because it's just going to set you back a lot later in the day, yeah, I would say. For sure. So, you know... Queue for some stuff first and then, you know, don't really make a genie booking. I don't think you'd want to be doing your first genie ride um, much before 10 a.m. I think if, if 
if you're already kind of booking genie rides that early in the day for later in the day if that makes sense you've probably gone wrong you're not going to end up getting great use out of it okay good Mm. good to know good important knowledge that's why i'm here josh yeah occasionally i have some pearls of wisdom turns out actually going to these thing parks makes it easier to know a little bit what you're talking about mental who would have thought who'd have guessed yeah but yeah i mean that is kind of the day as it was i don't know if you had any uh specific questions we've been going for a while here but anything that comes to mind maybe on on behalf of the Lawrence yes. clan who are heading to Magic Kingdom in a few months' time. Um, well, I think covered the kind of the key points for our family, you know, Disney, Disney Genie Plus, um, how to do the park. Uh, thoughts on the fireworks, Tom? This is obviously your first time holding and waiting for them. And... Uh, they, they were good, yeah, they were good as far as fireworks go. The most impressive, you know, there was quite lots of projection stuff happening on the castle, which I must say I did not have a particularly good view of, so I can't really speak to that. Right. Uh, but I had seen kind of how they do some of that in Paris a few years ago, so I can yeah. kind of imagine that it was probably quite impressive visually. I think the most impressive part for me, though, was that there was this moment where Tinkerbell appeared to be flying through the sky, yes. and people couldn't quite work out what that was. I, I thought it was a drone. No, it's a, it's a real person. Is it a real person? She's just on a zip wire. That's crazy. I couldn't believe that. My sister was like, I think that's a real person. And yeah. I was like, I, d- I don't know. But we were so far away, and obviously it was dark, that I, there was no way of telling that there was a zip wire. It was very impressive, yes. obviously, I was yeah. fooled. So um, I personally think that the projection mapping is far weaker here than at uh, Paris. Right. I think the But I think that's more because the Paris castle lends itself better mm. to the projection mapping, whereas here it's a lot more broken up as a, as a face. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to do interesting stories on it. Yeah. Um, so it's basically used as, as a window to just project clips from films on. You can even project onto the castle in the app yourself, not during the fireworks, but another perk, if you like, of, of your Genie Plus mm. is you get access to these kind of Snapchat-style photo lenses in the app. I oh. think it's a kind of a joke, to be honest, that these are behind the paywall. But anyway, yeah, you can do stuff like make yourself look like the Genie or... Uh, you know, there are some location-specific ones. So if you're in Hollywood Studios or Galaxy's Edge specifically, you can take a photo which makes it look like Grogu's on your back. And, you know, they're fun. They're, you know, they're, some of them are quite impressive for what they are, but in only in the same way that the Snapchat and TikTok ones are, you yeah. know. So it just seems a bit wild to me that these are... I mean, I would make them available for free and say you know, use it as almost free advertising. Them being behind a paywall seems bizarre to me. But anyway, one of the ones you can do is if you hold your phone up to the to the Cinderella's castle with the with the filter on, you can make it look like when they turned it into a big cake for the <laughs> was it the twenty fifth? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you can do that if you want. Oh, that's quite cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a very insightful podcast. Very interesting to hear how you got on in Magic Kingdom. Oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Um. I can never remember the endings of these podcasts. Oh, well, if you want to follow us everywhere, we are kind of everywhere now, Josh. We're kind of big deals, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Parkrush Podcast. If you scroll back far enough, not too far at this point, I, I believe. Let me just check for you. If you want to kind of go through the Magic Kingdom day as it happened, if you like, uh, let me just find the date on which we did that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. That's a very good idea. Uh, we're also on TikTok. Park Rush podcast. Yeah. Same on Instagram. Yeah. 
YouTube we're on as well. Yeah. You can find all these at links.parkrush.com. Is that correct? That's correct. You can email podcast at parkrush.com as well if you have any questions or anything else you want to send into the show. Uh, you can subscribe on your preferred podcasting app or find every episode at parkrush.com. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so. Brilliant. Until next time, take it easy, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.